What's up, Red Sox fans? This is Robbie Hyde, and welcome to the very first edition of the Grandstands podcast, where I talk all things Boston Red Sox. So let's get into this. How did this all start? Well, back in December of 2019, I actually wanted to start a podcast. Um, I wanted to talk Boston sports. I wanted to talk Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, Bruins, uh, so on. Um, I actually recorded a couple episodes. I called it the Boston Bleachers podcast. I don't know what kind of a name that was. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to talk about Boston sports, did a couple episodes, um, where I wanted to do like different segments where I'd focus one segment on the Red Sox, one segment on the Patriots, one on the Celtics, one on the Bruins. And I found that as I was recording these episodes, I think it was only two. I just noticed I was much more passionate about the Red Sox, which I have been for as long as I can remember, uh, going back to when I was a kid, um, I was born in England. I moved to Massachusetts when I was seven years old, uh, started just really liking the Red Sox at that point. Wasn't like a full blown, just fanatic, but I remember the 2003 playoffs when they were playing the A's, they were down two, nothing in the series. Trot Nixon hit a walk-off home run. I ended up coming back to win that series. But at that point, I was just hooked on the Red Sox. And I've just been passionate about this team and just baseball uh, ever since. And so I wanted to do the podcast and I realized, you know what? I am just way more into the Red Sox. I love the Bruins, love the Patriots, love the Celtics. But the Red Sox, they're my true love. And that's what I wanted to focus on. So I figured at that point, you know what, why not just make YouTube videos? So I was making some videos on the Red Sox and it just so happened that I, I was doing the videos and I wasn't really getting many views in the beginning, but when I started talking about other teams, that's when I noticed I was getting more views. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe instead of just talking about the Red Sox, I'll just talk about baseball in general. I'll talk about other teams, other players. And that's when I noticed my channel started to grow. Um, so back in December is when I started it at, at this point, I think I'm at around almost like 1300, uh, subscribers. So nothing big yet, but we're, you know, I'm really working on just trying to reach as many baseball fans as I can, but I really wanted to do a podcast on just the Red Sox. So that way Red Sox fans that are coming to my channel on YouTube, uh, if you know, they want to just hear about the Red Sox, you know, they can come here to this podcast. So here we are. Um, so yeah, we have a baseball season coming up, huh? How crazy is that right now? I mean, this whole pandemic, uh, COVID-19, it's just been crazy. I mean, four months of just what the heck is going on? Um, just, you know, just everyone getting sick and sports getting canceled and baseball season postponed. And then, then the negotiations between the players union and major league baseball, it was a mess. And just everything has just been a mess for four months. I'm ready for 2021 to come in. I'm ready for 2025 at this point, my goodness. But, um, but yeah, we do have a season coming up. It's a 60 game season. It's going to be unlike any other season we have ever seen 60 games. We're usually used to 162 and now we're going to have a 60 game season. It's going to be an absolute sprint of a season. It's going to be different. I'm actually very excited for it. I think there's 
so many different twists and turns that can happen. Different strategies can be used. Um, and then, I mean, unfortunately, you know, you have the whole the whole COVID nineteen coming into play, and but that adds another wrinkle in itself. Is you know, imagine the playoffs starting. The Yankees win the AL East, Game One of the American League Division Series. Garrett Cole, Game One starter, comes down with COVID nineteen. I mean, what in the world? Like that would be crazy. So this whole COVID nineteen it really adds another wrinkle to this season. So. Um, yeah, but it's going to be exciting. I'm very excited for the season to start. So let's talk some Red Sox. Let's get into the 2020 Red Sox. So the biggest story of the off season, Mookie Betts getting traded to the Dodgers along with David Price, um, blockbuster trade, Red Sox fans heartbroken. It is, I mean, it's still on the minds of Red Sox fans. People are still hoping Mookie comes back after his 60 games plus potential playoffs with, with the Dodgers is over. Um, who knows? Maybe he could come back. I don't know who knows what ends up happening, but, um, Red Sox fans are still a little bit sour over the trade, but as, as Red Sox fans, we have to move on. We have a team, you know, for this season with or without Mookie Betts. So, uh, for today's episode, I wanted to focus on the 2020 Red Sox. I wanted to break it down, starting rotation, bullpen, offense, defense. I want to talk about the Red Sox today, and I kind of just want to break this team down as best as I can. So um, let's take a quick break. Uh, When I come back, we are going to talk about the starting rotation, and yeah, we're going to break it down because there are some very iffy things going on with the starting rotation. So quick break. Be right back. Welcome back. So let's talk about the starting rotation for the Red Sox in 2020. So this team this year, they're going to have a good offense. I think they're going to have a decent bullpen, but the pitching, the starting pitching is very thin. No Chris Sale. David Price is in L- is in LA. Well, actually, no, he opted out for the season. Rick Porcello's a Met. I mean, what is even left? Let's take a look at what we have. First guy coming up for me it's it's Nathan Evaldi. Nathan Evaldi is probably the most important piece to this team this year. We all know Nasty Nate, he cemented himself in Red Sox history, pitched incredible in the 2018 playoffs, signed a big deal in the offseason after that. But then last year, pretty much non-existent, minus a few starts. He came out of the bullpen a little bit. I think he was even the closer for about 3 days. I don't even know. Um he was just bad all across the board. Um, just pretty bad. He did have the highest strikeout per nine rate of his career, uh, striking out about nine batters per nine, but the walks per nine was over four and a half. He gave up a career high in home runs with about two home runs per nine. Just a really bad year for, uh, for Ivaldi. Um, what was really crazy about the year for Ivaldi was how bad he was with the walks. Uh, for his career, he's averaged about just a little under three walks per nine, along with a seven and a half percent walk rate, and that climbed all the way up to four and a half walks per nine last year. And just a just a bad year. But heading into spring training this year, Renicky has said his command looks better, control looks better. 
His slider looks better. Off-speed pitches in general look better. But most importantly, he's just healthy, which is really, I mean, in the end, what got him out of whack in 2019? Um, With how he's looked in spring training, along with just looking good in uh, in an an intra-squat, I can't say this word, intra-squad scrimmage this past Thursday, along with a few extra months, probably doing the body some good with the long layoff that they had. I'm expecting Eovaldi to actually be pretty decent this year, especially in a short season. We have seen what Eovaldi can do in a short amount of time, considering how good he was in the 2018 playoffs. I'm expecting Eovaldi to be on his game this year. He's been looking very sharp. Uh, in spring training, he looks he looked sharp in the practice game the other day. I'm expecting a decent year out of Eovaldi, but let's move on to Eduardo Rodriguez. This is where things start to get a little interesting. Uh, Rodriguez is actually one of the latest victims of COVID-19. He's going to be shut down for a little bit. As of two days ago, he was still in Miami, um, and his status for opening day is still up in the air. Uh, For Rodriguez to join summer camp, he needs to test negative twice. So we're looking at, I would think, at least another week minimum before he can come back. I'm not really sure how often they do the tests, um, but at least another week, I would think he's not going to be able to come back. Um, However, he has told Renneke he feels good. He feels like he'll be ready for opening day. During the shutdown, he actually worked up to four innings at home, um, you know, I don't know what he, if he had a mound set up in his backyard or wherever he was going, but he said he worked up to uh, a certain amount of pitches where it was around four innings of work. Um, and But, you know, let's be real here. If Boston wants any chance at all this season, they're going to need Erod. They're going to need him. He was clearly their ace last year. He went 19-6, and 3.81 ERA, 214 strikeouts, and about 34, and, uh, 34 starts. I personally don't think he's reached ace level yet, considering his whip was a bit high of 1.33 in 2019, along with an ex-fip of 4.10, but he's a guy that can give you very effective innings. Like I said, the starting pitching is already thin. They're really going to need him this year. Uh, moving on to Martin Perez, this is where we get even more interesting. This is the guy who is basically replacing Rick Porcello. Um, if you look at this guy's stats, he just look, looks like he stinks. He and right, rightfully, rightfully so. People people say all the time, "Oh my goodness, Martin Perez, this guy looks terrible." And they have a right to think that. A 5.12 ERA and 29 starts last year, an awful 1.51 whip. I mean, terrible. But you know what? I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to kind of point out some things that I noticed that actually might paint a better picture of him. Um, in the first half last year, he posted a 4.26 ERA compared to a 6.27 ERA in the second half. He also set a career high in strikeouts per nine with about seven. Uh, another thing to take note of is the new pitching coach, Dave Bush. He's really big on analytics. I could maybe see him working with Perez on pitch selection in certain counts, working with him on maybe some mechanical mechanical adjustments. I could really see Dave Bush being... Uh, a a big guy for Martin Perez that can help him out. In the end, I don't think he's going to be winning any Cy Youngs, but I think 
he could keep Boston in some games. I think there's going to be some games where he looks really good. I think there's going to be some games where you want to bang your head against the wall with him. Um, I think he's going to get hit hard some games. But overall, though, I think he's going to be better than what Rick Porcello gave you last year. Porcello had, what, a 5.5 ERA last year? I don't see Martin Perez doing that bad. Um, overall, it's definitely, I think it's going to be an improvement over Porcello. And then moving on to Ryan Weber. At the moment, it's looking like Ryan Weber is going to be somewhere in the back of the rotation. First off, you might be asking, who the hell is Ryan Weber? Well, he's spent most of his career in the minors with teams like the Braves, Mariners, Rays, and he just came into the Red Sox system last last year. Uh, He had a few cups of coffee with the Red Sox last year, coming up at uh, different times throughout the year. He didn't have the most impressive stat line, 2-4, and 5.09 ERA, 1.37 whip, about 40 innings of work total. However, he was better uh, below the surface, below the, what, the, what, the, uh, what the stats say. His ERA was 5.09, but he did have a, a FIP, fielding independent pitching, of about 4.20, which suggests to me that he just had some bad luck at times last year. Maybe the defense didn't help him out a bit last year. Um, he also had a very good walk rate of about 1.6 walks per nine. That's actually very good. Renicky has also just been raving about him recently. He loves that he just attacks the strike zone. He said he has a good feel for pitching. Um, and then Dave Bush last year. Dave Bush wasn't the official pitching coach last year. He was more of like an advisor, uh, like a team assistant. Uh, he got him to start throwing more of a cutter last year, as well as using some other off-speed pitches. I honestly think, I think Weber could end up being a, a bit of an X factor this year. I mean, he doesn't walk guys. He he pitched better than what his ERA suggested last year. I think, and he was also coming out of the bullpen and stuff last year. I really think Ryan Weber, if you get him some consistency. I really think he could actually be pretty decent. He gets a lot of ground balls. He's not going to blow you away, but he's a guy that he has, uh, he just has some decent stuff to where I think he could actually be pretty effective. Um, And that moves on. uh, We're moving on to the next guy, Brian Johnson. Here's another guy that could go to the back end of the rotation. He's really the only other guy that has major league starting experience. Uh, that could go every fifth day. A lot of Red Sox fans remember he threw the complete game shutout in his Fenway Park debut against the Mariners. That was when the Mariners had Nelson Cruz. He was pretty decent in 2018. He had an ERA of just a little bit above four and about 100 innings of work that year. But last year, though, he was just really bad overall. He had an ERA above six. Uh, he had a couple of trips to the DL. Um, but overall, though, uh, he's been looking okay. Uh, spring training looked okay. He uh, pitched in an intra-squad game this past weekend. He threw three scoreless innings. He only gave up a walk. Uh, so that's a good sign. So, But there are some other guys to consider who could maybe go into the, uh, into the uh, fifth slot of the rotation. Uh, or they could even use an opener, like a bullpen game. You have guys like Chris Mazza. Austin Bryce, Jeffrey Springs, Josh uh, Josh Osich, Marcus Walden, that could be good candidates for opening a game. Overall, though, I see a rotation of Ivaldi, Rodriguez eventually, uh, Martin Perez, Ryan Weber, Brian Johnson. I think with what they have with starting pitching, I think that's the best five you're going to have. 
And I mean, it's a 60 game season. Who knows what's going to happen this year? I think that's the best you got. Why not see what Ryan Weber has? Why not see what Brian Johnson can do over, over these 60 games? See what Mar, Mar, uh, Martin Perez can do. See what they can do. I, I don't think this rotation is going to be anything close near the top of the league. But if this group can just provide some decent innings, it'll give the offense a chance. And we all know we're, we're going to talk about the offense here in a little bit. But we know that offense is pretty good. And the bullpen, we're going to talk about the bullpen too. That bullpen's pretty decent. If this pitching can just do enough, I think they can give the Red Sox a chance this year. Now, I don't know if they're going to be winning a division, but who knows? Maybe they could be right there for a second wild card. I mean, really, this team, it comes down to the starting pitching. So, uh, but that's all I got on the starting pitching. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the offense, which should be pretty good this year. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. So we are moving on to the next part of the 2020 Red Sox, the offense, which in my opinion, this is the best part of this team this year. Um, it Last year, the Red Sox offense had one of the best offenses in the league. And I think this year that's going to continue. I think they're going to be one of the better offenses in baseball. Um, and if they somehow make the playoffs, it's going to be because of the offense. Yes, I understand. Mookie Betts is gone. But there are still so many good pieces in this lineup. First up, Alexander Bogarts. One of the best players offensively last season. Hit over 300. Hit over 30 home runs. Drove in over 100 RBIs. Had an OPS of 939. Alexander uh, Bogarts, one of the best hitters in baseball. Definitely one of the best offensive shortstops in the league. You got J.D. Martinez, who, again... Uh, 2019, had a good season, hit over 300, hit 304, 36 homers, 105 RBIs, OPS of 939. Not quite the Dave, uh, the, the 2018 J.D. Martinez, but still very good. Then there's Rafael Devers, who had a breakout year in 2019. He hit 311, 32 homers, 115 RBIs, and OPS of 916. And he ranked second in the majors in doubles with 54. Then you got Andrew Benintendi, who, he, yeah, he did have a bit of a, uh, a down 2019. But 2018, he hit 290, had an OPS of 830. Uh, Benintendi wasn't bad by any means last year. He just wasn't. Uh, I mean, people were expecting he was going to take a step forward in 2019. He kind of took a step back. But Benintendi, still, I think, one of the better younger players in the game today. And speaking of younger players, then you got Michael Chavis, who was wrecking the ball last year before teams kind of started to adjust to him. But he's a guy with a ton of potential, a ton of power potential. Uh, Speaking of power, Christian Vasquez. He set a career high in home runs last year. He had his best season offensively last year. Hit over 20 home runs. You got Mitch Moreland. He had some home runs last year. He should benefit from the long layoff. He had some injuries. He should benefit from the shorter season. And who can forget the guy replacing Betts, Alex Verdugo? Yeah, he's no Mookie Betts by any means. But last year, he had an OPS of 817 in his rookie year. He had 12 homers. He had a 294 average. Verdugo's going to hit. So, like I said... There is no Mookie Betts in this lineup, but this team absolutely has the potential to to drive in runs. Now, where I want to talk is 
the defense. So yeah, they can drive in some runs, but can this defense save some runs? So this is a this is a part of a team that uh, teams in general I don't think get talked about very much. Um, so let's take a look at the defense last year. In 2019, they ranked eighth in defense overall on Fangraphs, and they were tenth in UZR. But if you look at the defensive runs saved, this team gave up a lot of runs defensively. Overall, they gave up 28 runs, which ranked 23rd out of 30 teams. And I hate to break the bad news, but that also included Mookie on the team. And he was one of the best defensive players in the game last year. He saved 16 runs by himself, which ranked 14th in Major League Baseball. Luckily, we did get Alex Verdugo back in the trade, and he was actually really good defensively for the Dodgers. He saved six runs in 106 games, along with a UZR of 3.2. No, he's not going to be Mookie Betts, but he's going to be a solid glove out there. Uh, Benintendi out and left. He's solid defensively. Um, Bradley actually struggled slightly. Not, I don't want to say struggled, but he did have some slip-ups last year. He gave up two runs defensively. He had a negative 1.2 UZR. Not terrible, um, but yeah, I definitely would like Bradley to kind of tighten that up a little bit. Overall, I think the outfield defense is going to be fine. Really, though, where the Red Sox struggled last year defensively was from arguably their two best offensive players, Bogarts and Devers. Bogarts actually gave up the most runs among all shortstops with negative 14, while Devers ranked second to last among third basemen with negative 10 defensive runs saved. So the Red Sox gave up 28 runs last year. 24 of those 28 runs came from two guys who are both on the left side of the infield. I mean, Fenway Park, that's a, you know, I think, I think hitters try to pull a little bit there, especially with the green monster. They're on the left side of the infield. Those guys, they're going to have a lot of balls hit that way. They're really going to have to tighten that up. Bogarts, he has made strides defensively over the last few years, but he still has a bit to go. Devers, he's he's made improvements, but he still has a ways to go too. I mean, yeah, they won the World Series a couple years ago with these guys on the left side of the infield, but over a full season, they are really going to have to tighten this up, especially this year, If especially with the pitching. Um, you know, that starting pitching, they're going to need all the help they can get. They're going to need this defense to be on their game. I mean, I mean, who? I mean, these pitchers. You don't know what's going to happen with the starting pitching. It could get really bad really quick, and a bad defense is only going to make it worse. So, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the last thing on this episode, which is fitting to end this episode because it's what usually ends games, and that's the bullpen. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, and last but not least, let's talk the bullpen. So, uh, the bullpen, I think, for the Red Sox this year, I think they are a little bit underrated heading into this season. I think we all remember, I think we all remember the bullpen to start last year. 2018, I, it, I mean, really, I mean, when you think about it, our closer, Craig Kimbrell, in the playoffs in 2018, I mean, he practically gave me a heart attack, like, that entire playoffs he was just he was killing me and then he didn't resign he ended up going to the Cubs so Alex Cora he went with a bullpen by committee and as soon as I saw bullpen by committee 
All I could think of was the 2003 Red Sox, right? I mean, we had no established closer that year. That bullpen was just, I mean, that was, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they did step up their game heading into the playoffs, but that bullpen by committee, it, they struggled in 2003. And last year, bullpen by committee, closing out games, that didn't do good. That was, it was, there were blown saves all over the place. Eventually, though, Brandon, uh, Brandon Workman rose to the top, and he ended up being really good. He actually won 10 games last year, which was more than Chris Sale and more than David Price. How crazy is that? But overall, he pitched over 70 innings. He saved 16 games, had an ERA of 1.88, and a whip of 1.03. His advanced stats painted a good picture as well, 2.46 FIP. That ranked 7th among relievers, along with a, uh, along with a decent ex-FIP. Of 3.33, which is considered around average on fan graphs. One reason he was so good was because he just didn't give up, give up really any home runs. He led the league in home run to fly ball percentage with a 2.6%. So heading into this season, I will be interested to see. I know Brandon Workman, he got himself into some pickles last year. Uh, he got out of them. So uh, that's, I mean, that's good, I guess. So whatever, he, he, he saved some games. But... I'm going to be interested to see how he does this season. Are teams going to make adjustments against him? Do they, you know, they've gotten to kind of see more, you know, more tape on him and stuff. So uh, I'm interested to see how Workman does. Another important part of the bullpen is Matt Barnes. Uh, (laughs) He tried closing last year, but that didn't work out at all. He blew eight saves total last year. And six uh, six of those blown saves came in the first half of the year. So once he figured out, okay, I'm a setup guy, he really settled He settled into the role. And he was actually good. In the second half last year, he had a 2.63 ERA compared to a 4.62 in the first half. So I think with Barnes' role more defined this year, I can see a solid year out of him. Another guy that really impressed me, last year was Josh Taylor. He was extremely good in his rookie season. He posted a 3.04 ERA and 47 innings, and he struck out 62 guys. Uh, There was also Marcus Walden. He pitched 80 innings. That was the most out of the bullpen last year. Had an ERA under four, a 3.80. He was solid. He had nine wins as well. Uh, Solid year for Marcus Walden. Uh, Then there were some other guys. Heath Hembree. He had an ERA under four. Colton Brewer. About 55 innings, ERA a little bit above four. And they also traded for Austin Bryce in the offseason. They got him from the Marlins. He was pretty decent last year. I mean, he had an ERA of 3.43. His FIP was more in the fours. So I think defense kind of helped him out a little bit. He, he had some luck on his side. But that's another guy who can who can give you some uh, give you some innings out of the bullpen. But one guy I really am going to keep an eye on, though, is Ryan Brazier. He, in 2018, he was really good. He had a 1.60 ERA that year, and he was good in the playoffs. Uh, but last year, man, he he took a step back last year. He had an ERA of 4.85. He gave up more hits last year, uh, more often. He gave up more walks more often, and he just wasn't effective, especially in the second half of the season. He had a 7.50 ERA in 18 innings in the second half last year. Um, But in the first half, he was, I mean, he had he had his struggles in the first half of the season. He was walking some guys. He was really lacking some command. 
But he did have a 3.58 ERA in those 37 innings. So, I mean, really the whole year, though, he struggled with his command. Um, something mechanically maybe he's got to work on. I could see Dave Bush, again, pitching coach, new pitching coach this year, big on analytics. He's, I'm sure he sees something with Brazier that they can work on. So, But another guy I want to keep an eye on is Darwin Zinn Hernandez. He did recently test positive for COVID, so his return to camp is going to be delayed a little bit. But this guy, this is a guy to keep an eye on. In 2019, 30 innings, he did have an ERA of 4.45. However, I think when you look a little deeper, he is actually a lot better than what that 4.45 ERA says. First off, he has really good stuff. In 30 innings, he struck out 57 guys. He did walk 26 guys. But he had, among among all pitchers who had thirty at least 30 innings, he had the highest strikeout per nine rate of 16.9. That, was, that led the league. Like, crazy. More than the best closers in the league. Earl Chapman, Josh Hader. I mean, uh, yeah. That's, that's an actual stat. He led the league in strikeouts per nine among pitchers with at least 30 innings pitched. Yes, not a full season, but that's still, that's something, you know, that can turn some heads a little bit. That turned, that turned my head when I saw that. He has just really good stuff. So I'm not surprised that he had a lot of strikeouts last year. I mean, 57 in 30 innings, that's pretty good. Um, but let's talk about that 4.45 ERA. His FIP was actually a 2.75, which is considered amazing. That's a really good FIP, which that suggests to me he had some bad luck last year. He didn't get as much help from the defense as he could have. So there is something here with Darwin's and Hernandez. Let's, let's talk about his stuff a little bit. Really good fastball, averaged about uh, a little under 96 miles an hour last year. He has a really good slider. In my opinion, if he can get his act together with the control, the command, I think he has a chance of having a really valuable role in that bullpen. And in all honesty, if Workman starts to struggle and starts to have like some consistent struggles, and if if Darwinson's doing fine and he's kind of cleaned up some things, I could honestly see someone like Darwinson Hernandez maybe even taking over as closer. He has the stuff for it. He has the strikeout numbers. To be honest with you, when I see a guy like Darwin's and Hernandez, who has late life on his fastball, who has strikeout numbers, I see a closer. I mean, yeah, he's going to have to improve on the walks. Another thing, too, he's only 23, so he definitely has time to really work on these things. Yes, he did test positive for COVID, but he'll be back soon. He's going to get better. He'll be back. I think he's going to be a big part of that bullpen. But let's take a quick break. Let's wrap it up when we get back. So quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So that's all I got for today. Um, This was episode one of the Grandstands podcast. So what I plan on doing is probably about a once a week podcast, maybe twice at some points. Um, The biggest thing for me is I'm going to focus, you know, heavily on the YouTube channel. Um, I'm having a lot of fun doing that, but I definitely want to keep up on the Red Sox at least once a week. 
Um, I mean, let's be real. I'm keeping up on the Red Sox every minute of the day. I mean, I'm always keeping up, but I would like to do a podcast episode at least once a week. Um, so, uh, I'd like to upload them either Sunday night, Monday morning, something like that. So definitely tune in, uh, around that time. Um, I'll, if you follow me on, if you're a subscriber on YouTube, I'll, I'll, uh, post on there and the, uh, on the community tab, I'll post on there to let you know that a you know podcast episode has been uploaded. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I can I'm gonna upload. Or sorry, I don't, what am I even saying right now? I'm gonna post on Twitter that I uploaded you know a podcast. So um, yeah, I'll definitely let you know when a podcast is up and ready to go. Again, we're gonna talk all things Red Sox here. I'm excited for this season. It's definitely gonna be an interesting year. Um, but overall for the Red Sox, I mean, I'm going to talk more about my, my predictions, uh, on the next episode. So, uh, but as of right now, I really do think, and this is really not me trying to sound biased. I do think the Red Sox might have a chance. Now, I don't know if it's a big chance, but I don't know. I think the Red Sox, I think they might have enough. I mean, that, that might be pushing it. I don't know. Probably not. But we'll have to wait and see. So we know the offense is good. We know the defense could be cleaned up a little bit. We know the bullpen has, they have good pieces in there. The starting pitching is thin. But if they can do enough there, I do think that can give the Red Sox a chance. Now, how much of a chance? I don't know. But we'll talk more about in the we'll talk more about that in the next episode. But if you have made it this far, thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of this podcast. This is called The Grandstands. My name is Robbie Hyde. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. So, yeah, have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you next time.